we have 150 company portfolio. We're doing 30 new deals a year and generally see about 600 companies at the top of the funnel. You know, understand that our skin is the largest organ of the body. Very excited. (laughs) (laughs) This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. Wouldn't you like to be a guest on Black Wall Street today with Blair Durham? Well, the link is in the show notes. And now, here's your host, Blair Durham. Greetings, 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 greetings. Welcome, welcome. It's the 151st edition of Black Wall Street Today. I am so excited. Today's show is sponsored by Milestone Mental Health Agency, Apex Financial Group of Virginia, as well as the COO team. Let's go ahead and get started. Joining me now is Ron Wilson. He's the founder and owner of Best Bald Shave. Ron Wilson's search for the perfect shave solution led to the development and manufacture of Best Ball Shave, a unisex formulation of very specific combination of natural oils that results in extremely smooth hair removal, legs, underarms, bikini area, head, face, and body. Welcome to the show, Ron. How are you? I'm doing well, Blair. Thanks for having me. How are you this morning? Very excited. (laughs) (laughs) Excited about Best Ball Shave, and I know that you have uh, recently launched your website. Tell us a little bit about your product line and kind of what led you to this place. I, I always feel like there's typically a specific pain point when someone decides, I'm gonna create a product. So I wanna hear that story. No, it was um, it was interesting, and that's a that's a great question. So I basically started the product out of need, right? I used to have a nice head of hair, and you know, could brush it and comb it and do different things. And then uh, obviously, um, you know, time kicked in, and I had to do some things a little bit differently, right? So I had the need to uh, to shape my head, and um, I tried every product that was out there, right? So it's, it's, it's tons of shave oils, it's tons of shaving creams, tons of razors. And I was in the pursuit of a perfect shave, right? And, um, you know, I had some, some lower end products, mid scale, higher end, but nothing quite did the job. So, you know, when that typically happens, it's like, Hey, I have to find something that, that works. I have to find something that will be suitable for me. Right. So I worked for five years you know, putting, um, you know, some different products in place, work with an all natural company to put the formulation together with the natural oils. And, um, you know, over a five year process, I found the perfect combination, right? Of four oils and also the way that we formulate the product to really create a shave without equal. And then when I put together the focus group to find out, okay, how does this product actually work, you know, for men? Because I know typically we have, you know, specifically for black men, we have issues with shaving and, and, and we typically stay away from it. You know, how does this, how does this product actually work and on what types of skin? So when I had the focus group with all different variations of skin, you know, oily, dry, troubled skin, dark skin, lighter skin, uh, and then I had women use it as well. And then it was quickly determined that, wait a minute, this is truly a unisex product. So that's that's how that came about because originally it was just for for me and people that look like me to get a tremendous shave, whether it's for head or or whether it was for face. But then with the focus group and different people tried it and we found out like in short order, like when women shave their underarms and they may have dark skin, that after a few months, the dark skin came back to normal. 
And I was like, whoa, we, we, we have something here. So originally in, in full transparency, it wasn't something that I went you know, out initially and from the onset to say, hey, I'm going to start a unisex line or a unisex product. It just yeah. kind of evolved into that and morphed into that, which I was like, man, this is this is something special here. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for that for that focus group to to uh, allow me to, to understand that truth. And, um, you know, once we did that, we put the packaging around it to make sure that it was truly a unisex looking product, um, upscale in nature. And um, that's how it happened. And then once once we had the shaving oil, right, which is which is basically the foundation for shave without equal it's like hey i need to you know along with that we need a shaving cream so i created a shaving cream and and took out all of the um took out all of the chemicals right i i think um very few people you know understand that our skin is the largest organ of the body so yes. you know not a kidney not a liver not a heart so we tend to put anything on our skin so with the shave oil being all natural and you know, obviously the shaving cream needed to be so as well. And then after that, I said, Hey, we need, we need to do some razors, right? There's, there's, there's nobody that has an upscale razor line that's aesthetically pleasing yet functional. So that's why we created the grand Jewel razor collection, you know, it's very sturdy, you know, metal, you know, has the economic, um, I'm sorry, ergonomic grooves in it, you know, for ease of use. Um, and extremely functional. So we just tied everything together, right? To have the full gamut for the overall hair removal experience. Well, congratulations, Ron. Uh, this is, this is exciting, right? First off, I mean, I, I'm, I'm new to the experience. So the idea of a shave oil yeah. got me excited because I'm right. uh, this kind of earthy person anyway, <laughs> you know, right. um, and then when I kind of glimpsed the packaging, I mean, the packaging alone, you know, you come out with this gold piece. I mean, it got me excited. How is the market responding to your product line? Yeah, that's, that's, and thank you so much for the compliment. I, I, I appreciate that. And, and really that was the premise, right? And that was the expectation, you know, behind it is to have something that's gold and bold and exciting. And, you know, we, we launched, you know, a little over a month ago. And um, it's it's been phenomenal. Like we really haven't even started a marketing campaign, which we're gearing up to do now with videos and, you know, different things of that nature. But just the word of mouth alone has been phenomenal. As a matter of fact, we kicked off at your ribbon cutting ceremony. So thank you for that. And wow. we had, you know, we had some special people there, right? In attendance, we had some government officials and we had some, you know, some heavy hitters and we had people to come by and they showed tremendous love. Right. And, and the same wow. thing is like, wow, we love the color. We love the packaging. It's you amazing. Know, we love how it looks. But then after they, they procured some of the product and, and got home, we, we had notes and emails and people like, man, I've never had a shave like that. It was the smoothest experience ever. Wow. You know, both, both women and, um, and men alike. So, you know, the, the market has responded tremendously well. We've had some tremendous growth, right? And and just this, you know, little over a month, like where, you know, sales are consistent and people are catching on and, you know, people are talking about it. So, you know, it's yeah. exciting and we're just, just glad to be able to do so. My second commendation is around uh, your execution, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're not the first person to kind of have this idea, mm-hmm. but to get the manufacturing figured mm-hmm. out, 
<laughs> at yeah. this level, yeah. I know it requires some due diligence yeah. on your part. And of course, Black Wall Street today, I mean, this platform, it's a networking opportunity. You know, right. it really is. People listen and they're inspired and they're informed and made aware that connections exist, right? That yeah. they can move their own ideas forward. I'd love to hear more about that part of the process too. You know, what was it like getting this from ideation kind of to prototype and now yeah. to the market? No, you hit the nail on the head. Like that's the challenge. Like there's millions of ideas out there, right? And then people kind of hit the roadblock, like, okay, what do I do now with execution, right? Yeah. So for me, yeah, yeah. So for me, it's always been like, you know, in our mind, everything starts with one D, right? So we think it and we, we conjure it up in our mind. Like, what does this look like in my mind's eye, right? And then we take yeah. it to 2D, right? So 2D is, okay, let me put pen to paper. Let me figure out exactly what I want this to look like from my mind's eye. And then the last piece is 3D, right? Bring it in into physical reality. And I think that's what you're asking about there. Like, you know, how do I bring this to a realized concept, construct and make it a physical product? So, you know, thankfully I've been, I've been doing business for quite some time. I have a finance background, banking background, sales and marketing background. And I was afforded an opportunity to meet a number of people, you know, throughout my, my, um, my business days and business years that are in a um, manufacturing space. So originally my goal was to have everything set up and manufactured and done here in the States, right? I, I wanted that done. So I, I looked yeah. high and low and I checked with some people. They just couldn't do exactly what I needed to have done, right? Because everybody's in the same vein. Everybody, you know, you have, you know, the razors that exist in the marketplace, the products that exist in the marketplace, everybody's doing it the same way. And they're just basically just treading out and throwing out new products that, you know, are basically the same. So I had to work overseas and do some things overseas. And I I, I had those relationships for probably over 15, 20 years, right. And in different capacities, you know, where they could, um, they they could help me and guide me and say, Hey, this is what I have, right. This is what I'm looking, this is what I want it to look like. And I see you have that razor up there and, uh, it's a gold and it has all of these intricate details and stuff on it. So that's how I drew it. And I had it in my mind and they were able to bring it into reality. But to, to get a little bit more specific on that, right, is, um, you know, you have to have somebody that has done proof of concept, right? And yeah. I, lean on, I lean on people and I look up to people and I have mentors that have done it before, have failed, um, have succeeded. And I think that's vitally important, right? We have a tendency to create products and then we, we hold this stuff close, right? We don't share how we did it. We don't share how we got there. So, you know, yeah. I've been talking to, to younger entrepreneurs and, and, and kind of sharing the insight, not only with the, from a manufacturing standpoint, but, you know, how do you get the business started? You know, what, what is an LLC? Where do you go to get an LLC? What's, sure. an EI, what's an EIN and a TIN, right? And then you, you have all of these barriers to entry that keep you from realizing your dream and taking your business to, um, to, the, to the marketplace. But to your point, again, the last piece to the puzzle is the manufacturing piece. So, you know, I I would say you have to do proper due diligence and you have you have to ask around. Right. Ask who's done it in some capacity and and, and see if they can be a voice for you and help you to um, 
help you to connect with the people that you need from a manufacturing standpoint. Yeah. Wow. Really, really cool. I wanted to ask more questions around that, but maybe you and I will talk offline, right? Because <laughs> that's the code that, that yeah, we yeah. crack, really. Um, but I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering, where do you see best ball shave? I mean, now that we understand, and I think we knew initially, there's definitely a need in the marketplace. We can look at men's faces, right? With the bumps and so forth. We can tell there's a need in the marketplace, right? Right. And, and, you know, and other reasons, people want something that's, that's top line. They want something that's high end. Um, and you've, you've produced that. Where are we going in the next five years with this, with this product? Yeah. So my goal really was to, you know, in the next, you know, year, couple year, two, couple three, you know, to start shipping overseas. But we, you know, we've already started that process, which is weird. Just kind of, again, word of mouth, like, you know, to, to ship all over, all over the country. I'm sorry, not only the country, but all over the world. But I, I would say in five years, we will have the line expanded because right now, and, and specifically for this product, it's just not for people to shave with razors, right? So if, if, if there's gentlemen out here who shave with, um, you know, who shave with T-edgers, right? Or they shave with electric clippers, you okay. can still apply the shave oil and then shave with that and it will give you a clean line and so forth. So along that line, we're looking to expand into, into different products right now. You, you only have a handful of, of um, electric shavers out there. So we're looking to get into that space. Um, okay. Okay. We, have, we have some other specific shave brushes that are going to be coming out. We hmm. actually have some more merch that will be coming out specific to not only to our product, but also just from a, an entrepreneurial spirit. And, um, you know, a, a spinoff on that that will be forthcoming as well. So, you know, we just look on, we, we just look, look, excuse me, look forward to saturating the market, right, with this product. And, and, and really, you know, as our tagline says, and as I always say, we make the best unisex hair removal products in the world. And to me, it's just to let every, you know, just about letting everybody know that. And then, um, you know, really just take over the space, you know, from a, uh, a hair removal standpoint. And let people understand how um, how efficient the product is, and and just how just have staying power, Blair. Yeah, bestbaldshave.com. Yes. just like it, just like it sounds. Bestbaldshave.com. Hey, hey, now Blair, I will say this because you know nobody's really. It's interesting the name. Some people will look at the name of the shave oil, and they will be like, "Why in the world would you name something so crazy?" Right, and, and, I, and I tell them. When you, when you feel like, and when you know you have the most impactful product, it must have the most impactful name. Because let's be honest, there's not any product in the marketplace, place, excuse me, that's going to have a hundred percent buy-in. So you have, you have a limited scope and target anyway. But what I wanted to do is anybody, everybody's going to know about the name. Everybody's going to know about the product. Whether they like it or not, they're still going to talk about it. Now, I haven't had anybody except for my mother to say, hey, I'm not really saying that. I'll give you the first three names, but I'm not saying the, 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 the last name, right? But it's yeah. a conversation starter, right? And it's something that's either going to draw people in or people are going to be like, no, that's, you know, that's crazy. But to me, yeah, yeah. you just needed an impactful name because this stuff here does give you the best ball shape you've had, the best ball legs, the best ball bikini area, the best ball underarms, the best ball face, head, and body. So it's that impactful. So the name needed to be as such. 
I get it. I get it. Bestballshave.com. Definitely take a look at the oil, <laughs> the shave cream, the Grandeur Razor collection, as well as the merch. Ron, are you also uh, active on social media at all? Yes. Yeah, so we can be found at Best Ball Shave on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook. And um, we have a heavy presence there. And then I'm Ron Wilson official on Instagram as well. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Any particular promotion that you want to share that you might kind of have going on to get folks uh, incentivized and enticed to go ahead and, and make a purchase today? Yeah. No, what I, what I will tell people is, you know, invest in yourself and invest in yourself. Like we have, I love what you said when you referenced the fact that the skin is the largest and in a lot of ways, the most kind of vital organ, right? you know, but you don't always kind of, I've become a label junkie. I mean, I definitely, you know, I feel like what's on the back of the label should actually be what's on the front. Right. Right. Because I want to know what it is that I'm doing, what it is I'm, I'm utilizing. So I appreciate it. Definitely hearing from you that, you know, the products are all natural and so forth. What can you talk a bit about kind of the oil formulation? What are some of the, the key oils that you're using? Yeah. So there's basically, there's basically four oils, right? So you have vitamin E oil, you have okay. avocado oil, you have rosehip oil and you have jasmine oil. So all of those play, all of those play a vital role in skin vitalization and really keeping your skin where it needs to be. But most importantly, it's the formulation. I won't get into the specifics on the difference between, you know, the formulation of this and anything else that, that may be out there similar in nature from any type of pre-shave oil or something like that. Because, you know, obviously they'll start doing what they're doing. But if you try anything else that's out there and then you try this, there's a there's a tremendous difference, not only from an ingredient standpoint, but also from a formulation standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with that being said, and, I, you know, I was saying, a few minutes ago, invest in your skin, right? We, you know, yeah. we, we go out for dinners and spend a hundred, a hundred fifty dollars. You know, we have purses that cost eight hundred dollars, twelve hundred dollars. Choose the same, right? And then you know, we'll go out and, and and just put anything on our skin. We won't even invest thirty dollars for something that's going to keep your skin healthy. You know, uh, have your skin smooth. You know, give you. Um, you know, the best hair removal experience you've ever had. So, you know, I encourage people to do that. And, and, and also another thing we're interested in, in terms of giving back. So Blair, we talked about, you know, we talk about entrepreneurship, right? We talk about business. Yeah. Stuff, I, I mean, remember. and that's really where I want to take the conversation. we got about three yeah. minutes remaining. Yeah. I always like to ask entrepreneurs that are kind of where you are, what advice they would give to somebody that's trying to get there. You know what I mean? Because I think there's such a misconception about the world of entrepreneurship that somehow, you know, is going to be easier than working for someone else. Right. Could anything be further from the truth? (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's, it it doesn't get any more opposite than that. Um, My my advice for anybody, and, and, and I can't tell anybody what to do. I can only tell you what worked for me. Yeah. What worked for me is the first thing that I did is I changed my diet. So when I changed my diet and believe it or not, I had clear thoughts. I had clear understanding. I could see things in my, again, in my mind's eye, what, what I needed to do, where I needed to go, how I needed to execute it. That sounds and, about right. 
Yeah, right. So I, I eliminate just you know trash out of out of my out of my diet. So I have more clarity there. The next thing I did is I turned the TV off, right? Mm. The, the TV just prevents us. It's an excuse to get us through the night or get us through the weekend before we have to face reality that Monday. No, but it's a, I mean it's a good point, Ron, because at the end of the day, it's still a part of our diet. Whatever it is that we're consuming, right? Whether we're right. eating it, watching it, you know what I mean? It's still consumption. So go ahead. Yeah. So so with that, what I did is at the same time that I was spending with the TV, I spent teaching myself on everything that I needed to know from a business perspective. So I taught, my, I taught myself WordPress and how to build this website. So I, I built this website from scratch myself. Very nice. I taught myself Photoshop CC. So all of the pictures, everything, from wow. me, everything. I taught myself how to do, you know, Photoshop. I taught yeah. myself photography, how to take how to take the pictures, right? How, how to implement that. I taught myself how, and I'll talk about this right before we get off, and, and that's going to tie into to how I'm trying to help people. But I taught myself how to set up an independent affiliate program, right? So I taught myself every aspect of what I was trying to do from an e-commerce standpoint for two reasons. One, if you don't know how to do it, you have to pay somebody to do it. And that's okay because you have great people to do it. But number two, nobody can really bring your vision to light like you can. I don't care how you articulate it, how you position it. Nobody can really bring it to life like you did. So I replaced all of that TV time, Blair, with what I was doing. And over this past, you know, you know, four or five years, I was spending that same time on YouTube, reading books, learning exactly how to um, how to master what I was what I was looking to do. So I tell people, oh, Ryan, no, I was just saying kudos, because what I hear you saying is you developed discipline. Right. And that's kind of that's kind of what got you there. Uh, wow. Unfortunately, we got to wrap up. I feel like we've yeah. just gotten started. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. got about 30 seconds remaining. Bestballshave.com. So, so Bestballshave.com. So, so, let me tell this because you asked me about the entrepreneurs. Most important yeah. thing is never give up and never let anybody tell you that you can't do it. Yeah. Stay the course. Surround yourself with other people that are doing something similar or have already done it and stay the course. That's it, man. Ron Wilson, bestballshave.com. We got to have you back. I'm excited to see, you know, six months, one year down the road where you've taken this product line. Congratulations to you. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you for everything, Blair. Continued success to you and everything that's going on with Black Brand. I appreciate you all so much. I appreciate the platform. You all are doing amazing things and congratulations. Hey, this is Seiko. DJ Seiko Varner, the producer of this podcast. So when I'm not producing podcasts, I'm actually DJing wedding receptions, corporate events, proms, other formals, and I would love to take care of your special event. So our company is Positive Vibes Incorporated, www.positivevibes.net. That's www.positivevibes.net. We've been performing for over 25 years and we would love to bring our expertise and our fun to your special event. Positive Vibes Incorporated, www.positivevibes.net. Peace and prosperity. Welcome back. Welcome back to Black Wall Street Today on Smooth 88.1 WHOV. Welcome back. It's the 151st edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. I'm joined now by Tom Weissman, 
He's the managing director and vice president for CIT. Uh, as the CIO for CIT and the managing director of the CIT Gap Funds, a family of early stage investment funds with a 15 year plus track record, generating both exceptional returns and socioeconomic impact. Weissman is a proven operator, investor, director, executive, and advisor with experience spanning federal, commercial, and nonprofit sectors. As architect and leader of the CIT Gap Funds, Weissman has established himself as one of the nation's foremost experts on quasi-public fund formation, early stage investment, accelerator development, and the contribution of catalytic capital to innovation, commercialization, and economic development. Through his work at CIT Gap Funds and role as founder of the Mach 37 Accelerator and Seed Fund, Wiseman has gained recognition as a leading capital provider for cybersecurity startups with direct investment experience in more than 75 such companies. Among the companies in which Wiseman has been an investor or served as board observer are NormShield, Security, Huntress Labs, Ostendio, Adluminin, and Divi Cloud. In 2018, Weissman formed the Virginia Founders Fund, an impact fund providing first-time capital to female and veteran founders, founders of color, and startups in traditionally underserved geographies within the Commonwealth of Virginia. Under Weissman's leadership, CIT Gap Funds has placed more than 200 equity investments in emerging tech, life science, and clean tech companies, leveraging more than a billion dollars of private capital into CIT Gap Funds portfolio company balance sheets and propelling several companies to exit. CIT Gap Funds has been acknowledged by Entrepreneur Magazine, CB Insights, and the Association for Corporate Growth as one of the nation's leading early stage ventures. Weissman serves as director of the Mid-Atlantic Venture Association and the Northern Virginia Chamber of Commerce and is a member of the Fairfax County Economic Advisory Commission. Welcome to the show, Mr. Weissman. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Blair. Delighted to be here with you this morning. I'm excited to have this conversation. Um, and really, if you could just help us to understand 30,000 foot view, what is it that CIT does? And then we'll segue into your specific role and the work that we're doing around uh, underserved entrepreneurs. Absolutely. So CIT or the Center for Innovative Technology uh, is a 30 some year old initiative uh, an almost 40 some year old initiative in the Commonwealth of Virginia that has since inception been aimed at cultivating the next generation of technology, technologists and technology companies in Virginia. So think helping to build for Virginia's future through you know, the technology channel, bringing uh, technologies out of universities, out of larger companies, starting new companies around them. Anything we can do to commercialize next generation technologies. We've done this uh, through a variety of programs over the years. At present, we have three significant, uh, four significant divisions within the organization. Uh, the CIT Gap Funds is the direct investment instrument or the venture capital arm of the organization through the investment division. We have a division aimed at tech commercialization, which really focuses at bringing technologies out of institutions of higher learning and federal labs to the marketplace. We have a new division over the last year or so, the Entrepreneurial Ecosystems Division, which uh, help, uh, which assists um, regional organizations that abet the efforts of technologists. So think angel groups, um, accelerators, 
university centers of excellence aimed at entrepreneurship. And finally, we have the, uh, the Strategic Initiatives Division, which is kind of looking over the horizon and what technologies are coming next and seeing how we can map those into Virginia's economic future. Yeah, I'm excited. So what discoveries has CIT made around minority entrepreneurs in particular as it relates to startup, as it relates to investment? I know there's been a ton of research on the part of CIT to kind of um, talk with minority founders about their specific challenges and so forth. What has been the outcome of that study? And then how are we looking to close the gap? Sure. Well, I'm not sure we've gotten to the outcome yet. Just to, to, you okay, fair enough. Kind of cut to the chase, and we continue to learn. We continue to learn. I, I would say that we have we have purposefully tried to accelerate that pace of learning over the last couple of years, and, and maybe one of the biggest single eye openers that I've had was a roundtable discussion that we convened just about a year ago. But I'm going to back up our story a little bit from that and talk about the formation of the Virginia Founders Fund in 2018. We've been investing um, since, uh, I guess, about 2004, 2005 in high growth tech companies around the Commonwealth. We've done, uh, you know, I guess, about 250, 260 of these early stage companies to date, all around high growth um, uh, you know, high promise technology companies, companies rooted in science and technology and tech writ large in clean tech in life sciences. And, you know, we've always tried to invest in, uh, in, in a diverse founder base, a founder base that was diverse both geographically and as, as people would identify um, uh, eth uh, ethnically by race, by gender. Um, 2018, we, we probably took a more purposeful position on that in developing a Virginia Founders Fund. We took proceeds, about $3 million of proceeds, earned through our flagship GAP uh, investment programs, and we potted it in what we call the Virginia Founders Fund which was an effort really to shine the spotlight on traditionally underserved communities in Virginia. And for the purposes of that fund, we defined those communities both geographically and demographically. So flash forward a couple of years and, and we decided to convene a roundtable where we brought together founders of color from all around the Commonwealth, every geography uh, that, that uh, uh, around Virginia. We brought 25 individuals around a table to try to listen to uh, and develop a little bit more sensitivity to the specific uh, challenges that, that founders of color faced in forming and getting capitalized their high growth technology companies. And it was interesting. Um, and, and I can share with you a couple of the, the, the key findings. And, you know, yeah. one thing I think I was thing, on that call, actually, Tom. I think you were. I think <laughs> you were. So you probably remember this. Maybe you remember it better than I do. So jump right in here. But, you know, for me, one of the key findings, I, you know, I think anytime you bring founders together, um, people tend to focus on, on capital and, and maybe lack thereof. And that there's never enough seed stage capital for early companies. And, you know, I, I certainly can't dispute that. And so that's still, that is always a critical component. But I think the principal learning for me on that call player was um, that um, founders of color often didn't feel that they had access to the same networks that other founders might. And that is access to capital is if one such network uh, but but also networks that would provide access to mentorship, to coaching, to um, uh, to uh, you know a, a path to, to customer access that that other founders didn't feel they necessarily had. So 
you know, we, sometimes you have a, a, a hammer and the world looks like a nail. So we, we persist in trying to level the playing field for capital access, but also um, try to address some of these other issues as well. And other partners within the organization have been instrumental in, in doing that. But that was one of my key learnings and key findings. And, and there have been a series of steps that have flowed out of that, which I'm happy to discuss. But um, well, no, I think I think that's a good and, and a critical point that you raise um, and likely the reason that CIT um, came in as the presenting sponsor for Black Diamond Weekend's all new tech track. Right. Because it's aimed at those pieces that you mentioned, ensuring access to the mentorship, the information, these networks so that those that are really interested in that tech space um, have everything that they need. Right. Um, in addition to in addition to the capital piece. Yeah, I would love to hear more about some of the other steps that you all have taken kind of coming out of that study um, and ways in which we, you know, we support this this growing, hopefully growing group. I mean, I've looked at some statistics that just talk about only one percent of um, VC funded startup founders are black for example, um, from the Venture Capital Alliance back in 2019, uh, 4% of uh, angel funds are concentrated in the Black community. And then even looking at grants, um, about 9.4% of, of grants that go out for National Institutes of Health go to minorities. But within that, only about 0.3% are, are going to the black community. So obviously this is, this is uh, something I'm really passionate about. Definitely a topic of interest and um, always excited to work with, talk to those that are, that are uh, looking to make an impact in this space. So. I well, well, the, the, the numbers are sobering to say the least. And if you look at yeah. um, you know, diversity within the venture industry, the, 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 you know, the numbers are not much better. I was on a panel last week that asked me to grade the venture industry for how it had done in, cultivating diversity within its own ranks and in within the ranks of companies that were funded and to give it a grade. And I think I gave it a gentleman C, whatever exactly that means. It's not, not, not a strong performer to date. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and, and things have been, been slow for, I think for a number of reasons. So I can, I, you know, I can talk to what we've done um, and specifically mm-hmm. what we have tried to do, and I hope we're on the right track, but as I say, we continue to learn. And one of the things that came out of that round table was um, just commentary around the Virginia Founders Fund. I recall, we started that back in 2018. We took $3 million of proceeds from our flagship gap program and put it into a fund that was aimed at um, shining the spotlight on opportunities in which we would invest in traditionally underserved communities defined both geographically and demographically. And we found that that, start, that that was a source of some confusion in the marketplace. So we, you know, we found that that some of our investments had done been, been done in, uh, you know, in geographically underserved, traditionally underserved communities and hub zones and um, in um, opportunity zones in in, in uh, rural uh, uh, parts of Virginia, uh, but not necessarily uh, the the funding uh, didn't, in, in some instances didn't find its way into the hands of, of minority founders. So one thing we did to make uh, clear the message and make clear the intent of these of the fund was we, we did a cell division. We split it in two and we launched Virginia Founders Fund 2 that just this past July with an equal commitment, another $3 million. And the same with the Virginia Partners Fund. We split those missions in two. And Virginia Founders Fund 2 is focused specifically on women and founders of color. So trying to narrow the emphasis, again, on that demographic focus. And we've received a pretty good reception to that. Uh, we yeah. worked closely with a number of advisors in, in arriving at that decision, as well as taking the input 
from that call. So mm-hmm. again, more targeted outreach, more discreet and purposeful investment from that fund. And so, and so what is the process? Cause you're right. There's a lot of talk around Virginia founders fund. Is there, are you organized in much the same way as let's say a CDFI providing technical assistance to those that might be interested in gaining access to this founders fund or, or what is the engagement process for um, a tech founder? Sure. Well, we'll come back to technical assistance piece in a moment, but I would say we've doubled down on outreach to uh, a range of communities to to expand accessibly to all Virginians of these funds. And we've, uh, you know, my team is committed to taking on a percentage increase. Uh, You know, don't mind saying uh, about a 10% increase at the top of the funnel of exposure to companies uh, formed by founders of color in a year over year basis. So we have that, we are mindful of that. And, you know, we believe that that is a team emphasis. I think so often um, or too often, I think that, you know, fund will, um, you know, uh, make certain hires to address certain certain populations. We don't see it that way. We think that this is a team mission to reach out to all founders in the Commonwealth. And we've taken on a, a, our own goal to increase that. Um, another thing that we've done to help us to help us get a check on that. We have uh, as part of our process, we have. Uh, built in uh, a self-identification. And of course, this is purely opt-in. If, if, if people, we, we use GUST as our intake mechanism, you may be familiar with that. It's a CRM that's commonly used in angel investing. And we build in some optional fields if people want to identify uh, by gender, by race, by ethnicity, by uh, geography, whether they're in, 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 a, in a hub zone or federally recognized low-income area, they can check that box, but they need not. But that gives yeah. us some way of, that gives us at least some way of a rough order of magnitude measurement of how we're doing with outreach and the, and the companies that we are bringing in as a result of connections we're trying to make and of cultivating a broad range. But in terms of engagement, um, in most of our uh, uh, in, in investment prospects come either from our outreach, our active outbound outreach to the entrepreneurial community in the Commonwealth. We've expanded that uh, to include organizations where we are more likely to find uh, or, or we, where we may find concentrations of Black founders. So we go have a special outreach effort to HBCUs. We work closely with a program at George Mason that is developed in tandem with the, uh, the SBDC system. That's called the ICAP program. Uh, oh, yes. It really helps us in that regard. We, we have an outreach effort with the Northern Virginia Black Chamber of Commerce with um, other organizations that uh, around the Commonwealth as well in an effort to, uh, to increase our visibility and exposure to, uh, to all founders. Uh, but the intake process is pretty straightforward. Uh, we uh, uh, will we'll guide a, an entrepreneur that we meet toward Gust to uh, include their executive summary, their pitch deck, all the information we need to take yes. on an initial meeting and to vet the company. And then we have a fairly structured diligence process that we've been running for a number of years. In terms of the technical assistance piece, that, that's a, you know, that, that's a, a, a great I want to caution you. We've got about three minutes remaining in our segment. I know. Oh, no. Getting started. No, I know we're I could go on all day. So I'll let I you know. Die. And I could too, but we'll, We'll make sure we do a second, obviously a second call, right? Because this is good stuff, but go ahead. 
Sure. Uh, in terms of technical assistance, I won't say that we've completely broken the code and that we tend to rely on partners because we are a small team. We're five investment professionals and we have 150 company portfolio. We're doing 30 new deals a year and generally see about 600 companies at the top of the funnel. So it's, it's, it's a tall order. We tend to focus on investment in the portfolio, but we build up a strong referral network, including ICAP, the SDDC system, accelerators around the Commonwealth that are committed to helping um, companies uh, build. We also have a, a very strong believers in, in the SBIR program. We have a gentleman within CIT that's dedicated to that and now the new entrepreneurial ecosystems division. So we're surrounding ourselves uh, with friends that can help us to build company capacity. Let me ask this question in the two minutes we have remaining, Tom. Um, what types of company, people hear tech, they hear internet, it may not mean anything. When you think about the companies that tend to receive these gap funds or that tend to be successful through your programs, what what types of companies are they? Or they are generally product-oriented companies, although we will also engage with tech-enabled services if the margins can um, can sustain downstream uh, investment from angels or VC. They're life science companies, they're clean energy companies. So within tech, think software, think SaaS place, think uh, think IoT. We've done a lot of cybersecurity, we've done a lot of data analytics, and we've done various deep tech um, applications as well. But that generally, I would say there's a product component to it and technology is a, is a barrier to entry uh, with the companies that we see. Awesome. Man, I've got some folks that I need to get in front of you. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, thank you so much for this call. Uh, I know that CIT is undergoing a, a rebrand. If you want to share the website details or folks can kind of uh, get a hold of the process, please do that. Will do. We are still, you can still find us at CIT.org and you'll find a word of a rebrand where we are supporting as of the last Last General Assembly session, the, the, the Virginia Innovation Partnership Authority. We've had a swap out of authorities. We're still, we remain the managing non-partner. And as you mentioned, we are going through a rebrand from CIT to the Virginia Innovation uh, Partnership Corporation to align with the new authority. Awesome. CIT.org for now. CIT.org. Thomas, thank you so much. Wow, you, you are a, a wealth and, a, and, and uh, just refreshing for me to have a conversation with you. Um, appreciate your your scope and your breath uh, on this topic so uh definitely we'll, we'll be setting up another interview for sure excellent Flora. i look forward and to looking forward again thank you all for uh you know coming in as a presenting sponsor for that tech track we're excited to uh, partner to do programming on this level it's gonna be great so thank you you bet thank you very much fantastic show. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Black Wall Street today. Again, uh, bestballshave.com, CIT.org, get the information, blackdiamondweekend.com. Uh, we've got about 20 in-person seats remaining. So if you want that in-person experience, make sure you visit the COVID-19 uh, tab on the Black Diamond Weekend website. Read up on what it is that we have implemented. That, that policy is super important. Uh, but mostly, we thank you for tuning in to Black Wall Street today, where we're building minds, building connections, and forging the path ahead toward business success in the Black community. We will talk next week. <laughs> this show was brought to you by the consulting services of Positive Vibes Incorporated. We do credit fixes, we do debt restructuring, and we put money in the pockets of real estate investors. So give us a call. We can 
fix your credit. We can restructure your debt. And if you're a real estate investor, I would love to put thousands of dollars into your pockets. 757-932-0177. That's 757-932-0177. Phenomenal. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black Wall Street. When I say black, you say Wall Street.